You know, I wish you could be in my spot while that video showing. Some of you kind of got some groove going on a little bit right there, kind of shaking a little bit here in church. So God bless you. And let me get some clarification on the deodorant that we're collecting. Just so we're on the same page, it's not used deodorant. It's new deodorant, okay? So please don't take a couple of swipes and bring it up here and hand it in. We are looking for a new deodorant that we can pass along and bless other people. Have you ever noticed that in life, the younger generation seems to hijack words from our vocabulary? And and here's what I mean. These teenagers, these high school students, these college students, they will take a word that we have used for years and years and years, and they will start using it, but they'll give it its own definition. So for example, after I finished preaching today, if a high school student walked up to me and said, Pastor Keith, you slayed that sermon. Well, you and I would look at him going, that's the rudest thing I've ever heard in my life, okay? That's like, like you slayed, you did a bad thing, you killed that sermon. But what they mean, you did a great job with that sermon. So they take this word slayed and they give it their own definition and they hijack that definition from us. Um, if someone walks up to you, a youngster, young, youngster, if a young person walks up to you and says, man, that outfit is drip, you look when I thought I dried off from the rain before I walked in here. But what they're really saying is that is a trendy outfit. Now, we have a tendency to look at the younger generation and um, kind of look down our noses at times at them and thinking, yeah, what a horrible thing that you would hijack the definitions of these words that we've always had. But here's the reality. Every generation before us has done the same thing. Anybody here grew up in the 50s? Yeah, a a few confessors right there. Do these words sound familiar? That something is jazzed, that you're jazzed about something? That would mean you're excited about something? Or how about this one? Any of you ladies that grew up in the 50s, did you ever look at a guy going, he's my dreamboat? Now, you weren't saying that's the guy you want to put on a ship and send him out to the middle of the Pacific Ocean, okay? You were saying that's a cute guy. So those are two words that even in the 50s, they were hijacked by that young generation. Here's the 60s. Any 60s people here? Okay, a few of you, see if you recognize these words, the fuzz, okay? Talking about the police, right? Not the lint you're picking off your sweater, you're talking about the police. Or if something, um, or if you looked at your parents in the 60s going, can I have some dough? You weren't looking for a raw biscuit, were you? You were looking for money to put in your pocket to go out that night. So every generation has hijacked words. Let me go, what about the 70s? Any 70s people here? Okay, how's this word right here? The, the funky, okay, something's funky, it's cool, right? Or if you want to know the skinny on something, you're saying give me the story about something. Um, any 80s? Okay, there's my people right there, the 80s right there, okay? I love the 80s, the greatest generation. If someone said something to you, you'd respond, cool beans, you weren't looking for refrigerated pintos, were you? You were talking, hey, that sounds good to me. You're okay in that one. Or here's my favorite one in the 80s. You want to veg out. That did not mean go to the refrigerator and pull out all the salad ingredients and put out on the cabinet, did it? It's meant I want to relax. So every generation has done that. But the word that I think is the all-time ultimate word that's been hijacked is the word whatever. And I know the moment in my life that it was hijacked from my, my vocabulary. My daughter was 17 years old. We were in the kitchen. I can still go back to this day. We were in the kitchen, and the dishes needed to be unloaded out of the dishwasher. And I simply said, Alex, could you unload the dishes? And she looked at me and said, whatever. Now, let me kind of set the stage here. If she would have wrote that word whatever and slipped a piece of paper to me, I would have thought I had the most amazing daughter in the world. Because that definition, whatever, would have told me, she's like, Dad, I'll do that and whatever else you want me to, right? But that is not the way she said it that day. That is not the way she hijacked that that, that word. She did not write it down. She looked at me and said, whatever. And her eyes rolled, 
her voice inflected, and I knew the new definition she gave that word was, you must be crazy, okay? And she hijacked that. So there's words, all kinds of words, but whatever has to be my all-time just, I don't know, favorite or least favorite word that's been hijacked. But reality in our lives, it's more than words that have been hijacked. And here's what I think's been hijacked the most, our joy. That somehow Satan has stepped into our lives and hijacked it from us. See, you see, God intended us for, it to have, for us to have joy in all areas of our life. He didn't intend for everything to go perfect, but even when things don't go perfect, God intended for us to have joy. Yet Satan steps into our minds and he twists he gives us the different perspectives, the wrong perspectives. He begins to change how we look at things. He begins to change on how we think about things. He begins to change even how we look at people as we think about things. And he steals and robs and hijacks the joy from us. And so here's what I want to do this summer. We're starting a brand new series called Whatever. And I want us to take back the joy that God intended for us. I want us to take back the joy in all areas of our life. In fact, let me just pause there for a second and make sure we understand joy, because sometimes people think joy is simply the smile or the grins that you wear on your face. But joy is so much than a smile, because reality, we all probably came to church this morning and we smiled, but many of us might not have had joy. We, we might be missing joy in our relationships of those around us. We, we might not be experiencing full joy in our finances. We, we might not be experiencing full joy in the work that we're part of, or maybe even the retirement that we look forward to. There's all these different areas of our life, and God designed us and made us to experience joy in those areas, yet Satan has came and he's hijacked that joy from us. And so we have one purpose, one challenge, one mission this summer in our summer series called Whatever, and that is we are going to take back joy. Satan hijacked it, but we're going to take back the very thing God intended for us to have in these areas of our lives. In fact, let, let me do this just to kind of see where you are. And this is a pop quiz I want to give. You don't have to raise your hand. This is not a public pop quiz, but let's see how you're doing in these areas that we call and refer to that we need to have joy. Are you experiencing joy in your relationships? And when I say relationships, not just the one or two closest people to you, but I'm talking about all people around you. See, so many times what we think about joining relationships, I'll take this one and this one and this one and this one, and I'll shun and push back everybody else that doesn't bring me all the happiness and good times in my life that I want. Yet God has called us in his scripture that we are to love all people. If we're to love all people, we should find joy in all people. So do you find joy in relationships? Do you find joy in your work or your retirement? And so many times I think we, we trudge and we just like, I'm going to push through this day. I'm going to get through Friday so I can have the weekend and that's where I'll find my joy. Yet if God created us to work, and for those in the retirement stage, I believe retirement is a type of work that we're involved in. There's a purpose behind it. Do you find joy in your work or retirement? Do you find joy in your accomplishments? There's been times I've looked back at my life going, I'm not where I wish and I wanted to be. And even though I did this and I did this, yet I'm not finding joy in what my life has been, been, has been about. But yet God wants us to find joy in our accomplishments. What about your future? Do you find joy thinking about tomorrow and the next day and the next day? Or is there more dread just going, this world is just too bad, I can't find joy in tomorrow? God wants us to find joy in our tomorrow. And here's one for you. Do you find joy in your finances? Look at your 401k going, not finding much joy in this one. We, we look at what they're doing in government and look at the interest rates and all this going on. I can't find joy in this. 
But here's what we need to understand about joy. Joy is more than smiles and good times. Here's what joy is. It's the peace and contentment that we find deep inside, regardless of circumstances. Let me say that again. Joy is the peace and contentment that we find regardless of our circumstances. And so as we think about our finances and our future, our work, our relationships, that whole entire list, we can find joy regardless of what's going on on those things around us. And that's what we're going to do this summer. We are going to discover together, we're going to discover the very thing that Satan has stolen from us, and we're going to find our joy again in all these areas. So as I went down that list, and you're like, okay, Keith, I'm good for two out of three, or I'm good for three out of four, I'm good for one out of four. If there's an area that you're not finding joy in, congratulations, you're in the best place because that's where we're going to look to. So this summer, you want to make sure you come every single week. And I know summer's about travel. Listen, if you travel, go online. But coming here this week, you may miss one of the topics that we're talking about, and you miss finding joy in that area. So if you're with me, let's just commit to being here every single week that we're in town. In the weeks that we don't, we're going to go online, and we're going to see what God's Word has to say about it. And here's how we're going to find out and discover God's Word. This summer, we will be studying the book of Philippians. We're going to start in chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to work our way all the way through Philippians, and we're going to discover what Paul has to say about joy. The book of Philippians was written about 60 AD, and it was written by the Apostle Paul, and he was writing to a church in Philippi. In fact, we call it the book of Philippians, but it's actually a letter. And you may be asking, well, okay, I want to know about joy, but why is Paul qualified to write about joy? If you know much about Paul, he did not have what I would consider the easiest life. He did not have a life that I would consider that was just full of joy everywhere he went. Now, he was full of God and he learned to trust God, but the circumstances of his life were far, far, far from joyful. In fact, here's what we know about this letter that we refer to as the book of Philippians. He wrote it from jail. He had been placed in jail and accused of something he did not commit. And so imagine, here's the Apostle Paul going, I'm going to write to my friends in the city of Philippi because I realize there's areas of their life they're not experiencing joy. So I'm going to write them a letter and see if I can help them rediscover that hijacked joy that Satan took away from them. And as he's writing and he's looking around, there's rats running around beside him. It's damp, it's dark, it's bad. He may get three meals, he may get one meal a day. He has no idea when the food's coming. Back in those days, there were no rights of a prisoner. You were just there until somebody thought about maybe coming to check on you. And so here's what we can know. His circumstances were far from desirable. His circumstances were far from being good. Yet in this miserable jail that he was sitting in and that he was even supposed to be in because he had not committed anything wrong and done anything wrong, he is writing a letter to his friends in Philippi going, can I help you find joy? And so the question is, why is Paul qualified to teach us about joy? <laughs> because Paul knew how to find joy even when things weren't going his way. And so all this summer, we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians. Chapter 1, verse 1, all the way working our, our way through that. But today, what I want to do is give you a little cheat sheet, okay? Because you came on the first week of the series, you kind of get the spoiler, right? Okay, you, you get to know kind of how it's going to turn out at the end before we ever get there. And, and the reason I want to do that is because as Paul writes his letter and he goes over these different areas and describes and gives them instru some instructions on how to find joy, he gets to the very end of it and he gives them a summary of, or no matter what area it is of your life, 
no matter what part of your life you're looking for joy. He goes, let me show you kind of the summary, the, the, the cliff notes, if you will, of how to find joy. And we're going to look for a few minutes today at Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. And here's what Paul wrote in that Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. He said, finally, brothers. So he said, finally, remember, he's already given them deep instructions, long instructions, detailed instructions over these different areas of finding joy. But he sums it up and he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. So he gives them this list of things. He says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so he gave them these lists of things to think about. It wasn't a complete list. They could fill in lots of other things because he said, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he said, think about these things. And then he went on in verse 9. Whatever you have heard or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So he said, I need you to think and I need you to do. In fact, if you're taking notes today, I'm going to summarize it. Two simple instructions God gave the Philippians and therefore gives us on how to find joy in life. And here's the first one. We need to change your thinking. We need to change your thinking, change my thinking, change our thinking. See, here's what was going on. And, and it happened to the Philippians just like it happens to us in everyday life. We start looking at all the things around us, and instead of thinking and running through things through the filter of God, we run them through the filter of self. And I don't know about you, but when I use myself and my wants and my desires and my, my entitlement to run my circumstances, I can get down pretty quick. I'm using the wrong filter when I run it through me instead of running it through him. And so the first thing he says is when he says, whatever these things are, think about these things. He's instructing us that we need to change our thinking. We, we need our, our, our thinking to be God's perspective, not our perspective. You, you know where I do the worst in this? At night I go home and I'm tired and I'm just kind of brain dead. And so I just want to just kind of just sit there and just, just be there. So what do I do like lots of people do? I pull out my Facebook, I pull out my social media, and I just start scrolling, mindless scrolling. Here's what I know about my friends. They're perfect. They go on the perfect vacations. They have the perfect families. They have the perfect birthdays. Everything about their life is perfect. And then I start thinking, their life is perfect, and my life is not perfect. And all of a sudden, my thinking becomes about me and not what God has. Now, let's just all be honest. Nobody's out there perfect. I'm just now hitting Facebook with some of you guys, and I can't wait to kind of follow your life and see your perfect life, but I know it's not really perfect. Just like you know, my life's not exactly perfect. But yet I get in that bad thinking, and I just start thinking all the things I wish I had that I don't have. I start thinking of all the ways I wish you were that you're not the way you are. And it just messes up my thinking. I love the way um, Paul says this in the book of in Philippians, but he says the same verse in, in the translation of the message. Let me read it to you. He says this, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. And then he goes on to say in the message is translated, I need you to think about and meditate on the best, not the worst. When I hit that social media, I'm all about your best and my worst, and it messes me up completely. And then he goes on to say this, I need you to think about not just the best or think about the best, not the worst. I need you to think about the beautiful and not the ugly. I need you to think about things to praise, 
not things to curse. And so Paul's first instruction that he gives the Philippians and he gives to us as well is this. If we want to have joy in our life, we have to change our thinking. But then he gives them a second simple instruction. And I say simple. It's always much simple. It's much easier to preach simplicity than live simplicity, isn't it? But here's a second simple instruction he gives them. He needs them to adjust their actions. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. They need to adjust their actions. Let me read verse 9 to you again as Paul writes to the church of Philippi. He says, whatever you have learned or whatever you've received or whatever you've heard from me or seen in me, you need to put it into action. He's saying you need to live what I'm teaching you. And that's why it's so important to come every week because we're going to look at each of these topics that joy is stolen from and we're going to dig, dig deep and Paul's going to show, some, show us some specific things that we need to be living out. You know, I shared with you all several weeks ago that my wife and I were part of that famous club the Weight Watchers. We tried to cool it and make it WW, right? And just like, we're part of WW again. Um, and I love Saturday mornings because Saturday mornings, every Saturday at 9.30, we go to our Weight Watchers meeting, a 30-minute meeting. And we get inspiration, we get ideas, we get testimonies from people. And every week I'm like, I am so motivated to like do the right thing so we can lose weight for the next week for the weigh-in. But here's what happens every week. We sit through that 30-minute meeting as we're walking out. I'm like, hey, babe, you want to stop and get an Egg McMuffin at McDonald's on the way home? And so somehow we're changing our mind in the meeting, but it's not altering our actions. And there's no wonder then when we come back the next week and I step on the scale and I'm going, is something wrong with your scale? It never shows me losing weight. It's because my actions have never met, caught up with my changed attitude. And so what Paul is saying to us, if we really, really want to have joy in our life, it's more than just changing our attitude, it's also altering our actions. And he's going to give us very specific areas that we're going to look to change our actions. In fact, let me just do this. Let me run down the topics that we're going to cover every week. Okay, here's the first one. Next week, we'll talk about relationships, how to find joy in relationships. Week two, how to find joy in your circumstances. Week three, how to find joy in your attitude. Now, this is the time that you probably bring the person sitting next to you and you need to come to week three. Okay, I know your attitude and we need to adjust and change your attitude. Week four, how to find joy in your work or your retirement. Week five, how to find joy in your accomplishments. Week six, how to find joy in your future. Week seven, how to find joy in your thoughts. And last but not least, last, the last week, how to find joy in your finances. You know what amazes me? The book of Philippians was written over 2,000 years ago. You wouldn't think finances would be a big deal back then, right? Because they don't have cars. They didn't have house notes. They don't have all the financial obligations that we have here. Here's what this tells me. Our finances are not about the possessions that we own. It's the possessions that own us. And they had possessions that owned them back then, just like we have possessions that own us today. And Paul's going to help us. And he's going to help change your mind and change your actions so you can find joy in your finances. You know, this morning I walked in and I'm driving to work and it's the first day of summer, to me at least summer, because the kids are out of school. And all week long I'm thinking, I just want to bring joy. I, I want my introduction. I want today just, like it's got to feel happy, right? You can't talk about joy and feel all down, right? And so I'm, all week long I'm, I'm just kind of in my mind just brainstorming how I'm going to introduce everything. And, and I was going to get up here this morning and just say, happy summer, okay? Welcome summer. And I'm driving in rain. 
and I can just tell my joy is just oozing out of the every, every time the windshield wiper makes a flap, it's just no joy, no joy, no joy, no joy. And I pull in the parking lot, and I'm going, no, no, it's about my attitude and then my actions, so it's not my circumstances. Rain can't take away my joy, I decided. And so as I get out of the car, and I've got my umbrella on or over my head, and I'm trying to make sure I don't get too wet, and I'm going to have this joy and welcome you all to summer and happy summer to you, and I walk in the front door, and someone looks at me and says, well, Texan, did you bring this rain with you? <laughs> and I thought to myself, you are not going to steal my joy. So I saw a gentleman from Oklahoma right next to him. I said, no, that Oklahoman brought this rain with us. So I just sit my joy right there. But joy is not about our circumstances, and we're going to learn that this summer. And so here's what I want to do. Today was just an introduction. If you came here going, Keith, I need something deep today. That's why I came. I want this deep Bible study. Come every week. We're going to work through Philippians. But I want you to walk away today with just a couple of challenges that we're going to use throughout the series. And so here's the first challenge I want to give to you. That when you came in today, you should have received a yellow smiley face button. Did everybody get one of those? If you didn't get one, you can get one as you leave. And here's my challenge. That you and I would wear this smiley face button all the time from now to the end of summer, to the end of the series. And here's why. Because when you put it on, it's going to be a conscious effort, a conscious act of going, I, gotta put, I must put joy on. Joy just doesn't happen. It's going to come from changing my attitude and then altering my actions, that's where joy is going to come from. And so I'm challenging you to wear this smiley face button, not just when you come on Sunday morning, because I want more than joy on a Sunday morning. I want joy on Monday morning when I wake up. I want joy when I go to Walmart and the lady at Walmart won't even look at me and speak to me when she's checking out my groceries. I, I want joy when I'm sitting at a stoplight. I want joy no matter where I go, I'm wanting joy. And so I'm going to charge you and challenge you right now to wear this button no matter where you go. Now, let me explain this about this button. So this week we ordered them. And, you know, you can find joy if you, if, with your finances if you don't just lavishly spend. And so when we bought these buttons this past week and they came in on Friday, we did not lavishly spend on these pins, these buttons. And they are the cheapest buttons I've ever seen in my life. So you may find more joy if you go home and get on the Internet and, and, and buy you a button a little bit better than this one. So it doesn't have to be this yellow smiley face button, but get you a yellow smiley face button that you commit to wear from now to the end. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to put it on and you're going to go to work or you're going to go to the grocery store or the gym or wherever you find yourself. And somebody's going to look at you and say, why are you wearing that smiley face? What's it going to be? That's going to be a trigger to remind you it begins with my attitude and changes to my actions. And so it's just that constant reminder that we're about finding joy because God intended us to have joy. Now, in these smiley faces, we have a covenant here as the body of Christ, right? There's a little bit of judgment that we can give to one another. So if you see one of your church members at the grocery store and they don't have their button on, you feel free to go shame them and shake your finger at them and tell them to put that button on. That's internal or the congregation shamefulness that we're going to do here. But we're all going to commit to wearing the smiley face button, whether it's this one or one that you purchase. So that's your first challenge. Wear the button. And again, it's not about wearing the button. It's reminding ourselves every moment of the day God intended us to have joy in all things regardless of our circumstances. And then the second thing to challenge is the verse that we just looked at today, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Here's my challenge. You ready for this? This may zap all of your joy right here. My challenge is that every one of us memorizes this passage. 
You're going, what? I haven't memorized a verse since I was in fourth grade in vacation Bible school. Well, welcome to the new way of doing things, okay? We're, we're, we're going to hijack all the vacation Bible school stuff, and we're going to put it in our lives right here. We're going to memorize Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. And I'll be honest with you, I can do a lot of things, but memorization is the hardest thing for me to do. Like, I can stand up here and speak spontaneous for 30 minutes, but to memorize something word for word for word for word, it just, I have stage fright in it. And so this is a commitment that I'm making also. But here's why we're going to do this. Because God's Word says this, if we hide His Word in our heart, we won't sin against Him. We don't often think of not having joys of sin, but if not having joy in living in the fullness that God intended for us to be is, is not where He wants us, then it must be a way that He doesn't want us to live, and that's a sin. And so when we hide the Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9 in our heart, it is our way of going, God, this is the beginning of changing my mind and then altering my, my actions. Does that make sense? Now, I realize this, this memorizing is going to be a stretch for many of us. So I thought it might be good to practice it together right now. So you don't have to have it memorized. Don't close your eyes. We're actually going to put your cheat sheet up there, and I'm going to lead you in us saying it together. Are you ready? Now, would you do me a favor and look at your neighbor and say, this is an all skate? Okay, you remember all skate back in the day? That's like, it wasn't couple skate, it's all involved. So here we go. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, do you remember the story I told you about my daughter who used the word whatever in the way it wasn't meant to be used? Can I be honest with you? Hearing you, get, you recite that verse sounded like you just stole all the joy out of that, okay? That was the most depressing, <laughs> saddest recitation of any verse I'd ever heard. It just sounded like God's got it for joy, because, right, this is a series about joy and reclaiming that joy. And it was like, whatever is noble, whatever is good, whatever is right. Okay. So we're going to try it again. I'm going to give you another chance. I realize this. When you're repeating something as a group, there's that cadence of it. There's the speed of it. And so sometimes if you put too much emphasis on it or too much expression in it, we all get mixed up together. So it's okay. If we sound like we're speaking in tongues here as we re recite this verse, that's okay today. All right, so here we go. Are you ready? A little expression, a little excitement, a little of joy coming out inside of you, coming out. So here we go. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Did you catch that last verse? Thank you. Hallelujah. Somebody's getting a joy already right now, right? Did you catch that last verse, that last sentence? And the God of peace will be with you. So here's what Paul is saying. If you change your, your, your attitude and then you adjust your actions, that creates the God of peace being like hanging out with you. And that's where the joy comes from. If you left here today thinking, you know what, when I, wherever I go, God's with me. Doesn't that give you joy right there? You know what's interesting thing about this whole topic of joy? The kids downstairs right now learning about God and about the joy he brings us. 
they find joy better than we do. You know why? Because they're not worried about finances. They're not worried about relationships. They're not worried about work. They just trust mom and dad's going to take care of it. And so they have all the joy in the world because they're trusting mom and dad to take care of all these things. I'm firm believe we grow up. And we don't trust mom and dad, but more than that, we don't trust our heavenly father. And so we start trying to hang on to our finances, and we start trying to manipulate relationships, and we start trying to adjust our own work, and we leave God out of it. And here's what he says, if we trust the God of peace, that's where our joy comes from. And church, I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about wearing silly yellow smiley face buttons all summer long. I'm excited about coming and preaching a sermon that we're supposed to smile in the middle of it and have fun with because God designed us to have joy. And I believe this, if he designed us to have joy in our relationships, if he designed us to have joy in our work and our retirement, if he designed us to have joy in our finances, if he designed us to have joy in all these areas, wouldn't it make sense that he designed us to have joy when we meet with his people? That when we come to church, we should be smiling because we're with God's people and the God of peace will be here with us. And so I am excited about this sermon series. I'm excited about studying the book of Philippians with you. And I'm excited about retaking the very joy that Satan has hijacked out of our lives. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your joy. Thank you that you did not design us just to be solemn, just kind of plodding through life, followers of you. But Jesus, I I really do pray and I believe that as someone did a while ago, you just kind of designed us to just sometimes just yell hallelujah out of a clear blue. Because the God of this universe, the creator of everything, you, oh God, have brought us joy. And so thank you. Thank you for your word. I'm looking forward to studying it. God, would you use your word to make us different? And we pray this in your holy name. Amen.